Our Old Testament reading for this morning is from the book of the prophet Jeremiah in the 15th chapter, beginning verse 15 and continuing through verse 21. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. O Lord, you know. Remember me and visit me. Take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your enduring patience, do not take me away. Know that for your sake, I have suffered rebuke. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because of your hand, for you have filled me with indignation. Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuses to be healed? Will you surely be to me like an unreliable stream as waters that fail? Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will bring you back. You shall stand before me. If you take out the precious from the vile, you shall be as my mouth. Let them return to you, but you must not return to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall. And they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked. And I will redeem you from the grip of the terrible. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament text comes to us from the gospel according to Matthew in the 16th chapter. Beginning at verse 24 and continuing through verse 26. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Then Jesus told his disciples... If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? Here ends this reading from God's holy word. On this Sunday of a national holiday weekend that is dedicated to labor, it's only appropriate that the Revised Common Lectionary offers us a gospel passage that relates to the work to which the followers of Jesus are called. I was reading a short article this week about a pastor who felt led to walk across the country with an 80-pound wooden cross over his shoulder. He was trying to make a point about Jesus and to win souls for Christ along the way. If that's the way the Spirit led, then good for him. I'm glad I have not felt so led yet. When I hear those words of Jesus about denying self and taking up one's cross, 
I, I haven't heard them literally, but figuratively. And that may even involve some heavier lifting than 80 pounds. Uh, if you're making a cross-country trek, you know approximately how long the journey is going to take in terms of time and, and energy. And, and then, once you've completed your objective, you've achieved your goal, well, you don't usually pull a Forrest Gump and turn around and run back the way you came. No, ordinarily, you, you fly a banner from the bridge of the carrier proclaiming mission accomplished. Then you pack it in and you go home. It seems to me, though, that the call to live a faithful Christian life is a bit more complicated and a longer-term commitment. And it stands to reason why, then, it is a path less often traveled, especially, seemingly, in our day and time. Every Friday morning at 6 a.m., plus or minus a few minutes, a bunch of guys meet at Hardy's in Pocomoke to study scripture and to solve all of the world's problems. And one of the issues that we have addressed in the past and that we continue to revisit with some regularity is the problem of the church. Not necessarily what's wrong with the church, though we aren't afraid to offer opinions and insights on that, but most of the group's energy has focused on what it is about the church that is so unappealing to the unchurched. And since everyone in this group is sort of an insider, we have to rely on anecdotes and conversations that we've had with friends or family who are themselves not involved with the congregation. And one of the suggestions that has arisen uh, among the barriers for church involvement is the competition that is faced today is perhaps greater than it has ever been. There are clubs, concerts, sports, live and televised happening on Sundays. This wasn't always the case, but it is now. And none of these other commitments require participants to deny themselves and take up their cross, calling them to do things that they would rather not do with folks that they would rather not be spending time with. Well, providentially, in this past week, in an email to church leaders here in the presbytery, Tracy Keenan, our missional presbyter, who, by the way, along with her husband, are planning to join us again this year at the Crab Feast, um, and they may come down on motorcycle, if the weather is nice. Well, she wrote an article entitled, Life and Death Situation. And in it, she was reflecting on the ways in which the world and the church speak about death and 
the ways in which our Christian faith might help us to think about the resurrection that comes thereafter. And her thoughts were not limited to the individual, but also encompassed the corporate, specifically in terms of congregations she has known. In some cases, she described churches have died because of their reluctance to change. In other cases, churches have made changes and been transformed. Uh, all in all, a, a, a lengthy take on her opinions as to what it takes to resuscitate a church. Well, over a decade ago now, well before the present crop of presbytery leaders here, I preached a sermon in front of the Newcastle Presbytery meeting. That was back in the day when folks still met in person for presbytery meetings and at a church, no less. Well, my message then was that the church as an institution and our denomination was dying. It was not a very popular message over a decade ago, but often when the truth is spoken, it can be painful to hear. In the intervening years, my opinion has not markedly been swayed. In fact, in an extrapolation of data just last month, a researcher made a compelling case based on the rapid rate of decline in both congregations, members, and worshipers for the, the disappearing, the, the death of our denomination in a little over 25 years from today. Sobering. But given all the alternatives then, why would anyone choose to be involved with a dying organization like this? Well, perhaps because the, the church is not the Presbyterians, nor the Methodists, nor the Anglicans, nor the Roman Catholics, nor any of the other denominations which are all facing their own share of issues, experiencing their own troubles and their own declines, which may ultimately lead to their disappearance, their death. No, rather the church is a collection of believers connected by the power of God's Holy Spirit who remain faithful to the Word of God in Scripture and the teachings and example of the Word of God made flesh in Jesus. And one of those cornerstone teachings and examples is this. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. In The Temple, a book of prayers, the author and turn-of-the-century pastor, William Edwin Orchard, wrote, It may take a crucified church to bring a crucified Christ before the eyes of the world. In other words, why should we in the church be detached from or above the pain and the suffering of the world, ignoring it or refusing to address it. 
How relatable are we then? Of what value are we then to God or man? If Jesus himself went through death to emerge triumphant and victorious out the other side, well, why should we think it should be any different for us, individually or corporately? But, and, and this is where we have something to offer folks that, that they can't get from anywhere or anything else, not clubs, not concerts, not sporting events, or any other Sunday offerings from the world. Though Christians are called to the way of the cross, it is precisely this path which leads to resurrection. We know from scripture that when he was raised from the dead, Jesus put on a, a new, a glorified body, which Paul describes as imperishable. We're told that it was at the same time recognizable and yet markedly different with characteristics and abilities that it, it, it didn't have in the previous life. It, it shall be like that for us. And we should expect for the church as well. We have been promised that the body of Christ will be sustained. I don't claim to know what it's going to look like, but I'm confident it'll be sustained. It's been said that the, that the word diet is simply die with a T at the end. So perhaps this isn't such a bad analogy I'm about to make. There are many who would admit to enjoying going on or being placed uh, on a diet. There, there aren't any. Uh, it's not one of those things you wake up one day and say, gee, I think today would be a great day to start going on a diet. Because it involves giving up something or some things that we enjoy. And our pleasure is what life is all about, after all. But through the denial, the denial of self to eating certain things, we may well shed pounds or cut blood pressure or glucose levels or reduce allergic reactions, and, and these things are benefits, they're benefits of a, of a different, better sort. And that, I believe, is what Jesus is here teaching those who would be his disciples, making our desires secondary to the needs of others to reap benefits that are greater. For people, this means things like giving, giving them time and talent and treasure to care, not for themselves, but for others, for friends, for families, but also for their neighbors, whether they know them personally or they don't, whether they live close by here on the Eastern Shore or whether they're in Guatemala or on the other side of the world. It's about putting to death our greed and our selfishness that wants to place us at the center of the universe. There was a time, I mean, relatively speaking in history, not all that long ago, when the Roman church was perhaps at the peak of her power. 
when she taught and fought against any who would claim that this earth wasn't the center of the solar system. And that, of course, the sun revolved around us in line with the church's thought that everything on earth should rightly revolve around her. Over time, of course, we were able to prove, mostly incontrovertibly, that it was, after all, the sun that was at the heart of our solar system and that all the earth revolved around it, in line with the thought that everything on the earth should rightly revolve around the Son of God. For churches, Jesus' teaching concerning taking up our cross might mean things like giving up status and influence, property and stashes of cash, giving up whatever isn't Jesus, sacrificing comfort and convenience for the sake of serving Christ by serving man, doing the things it takes, even the, and even and perhaps especially, the difficult, the dirty, the undesirable ones, which carry forth the gospel in word and deed to a world that is in such desperate need. We heard from Steve Adkins, who is ministering to people outside a dump in a third world country. This was at the very heart of Jesus' ministry in the Gospels, and it's at the very heart of this change that, this charge, rather, he gives to those who would be his followers. They are to take up their cross, your cross, not take up my cross, Jesus said. No, for Jesus was uniquely equipped to deal with the sins of humanity in a way which no one else ever could, but rather to take up your cross. That's a calling for which each and every one of us has been uniquely equipped. Frederick Buechner, the late American author and theologian, some of you might have read some of his works that they're very, very approachable and down to earth. And there's 39, I believe, titles published. A few years ago, he wrote that there are all different kinds of voices calling you to all different kinds of work. And the problem is to find out which is the voice of God rather than of society, say, or the superego or self-interest. The voice of Jesus says, deny yourself and take up your cross. That, that is the work to which the Christian is called. That is the work to which the church has been called and always shall be called. May the good Lord who thus summons us grant us the grace and the strength to hear and to respond faithfully and joyfully. And for that we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.